Hello there, I'm Desmond Early and you're listening to the Signum Records podcast. performed by the Choral Scholars of University College Dublin, the first track from their new album Invisible Stars, which is released on Friday 11th of December on Signum Records. I'm delighted to be joined for this podcast by the choir's director, Desmond Early. Welcome, Desmond. Thank you very much, Matt. Pleasure to be here in London to talk about this disc. Yeah, it's a really great start to the album with the drums and the sound of the choir. Yeah, it's the single frame Irish drum called the Bowron, and it's played with just one stick, uh, I'm sure people have seen it, you know, on river dance or on yeah. Irish traditional music shows. But it really works very well with the choir to give that rhythmic impetus for this piece. And of course, this piece is it's written originally in Munster, which is in the south uh, west part of Ireland. And it's about Bonnie Prince Charlie and about, you know, a lament for him as a hero. And will he come back? And after the Battle of Culloden, of course, it was it was written. Um, and the text is Shame Malaych Magilamar, Shame Mahesar Gilamar, Niorus Fain, Aintun Nashain, Ochuig again Magilamar, which means my dashing darling is my hero, my dashing darling is my Caesar. <laughs> and of course, you can see that that's sort of an, a, a, a direct reference to, to that character, but, well, a historical character, Bonnie Prince Charlie, Stuart King to be that's what they were hoping yeah. um, but in fact um, the quite a lot of the song is an allegorical song that speaks from the point of view of Ireland or Scotland and it laments the loss of something so it's through a voice that is lamenting in a way but this is quite I think martial and more positive in its character this piece of music yeah. so I, I arranged it for tenor it's really a song sung by a lady but I arranged it for tenor and the drum and then the choir in on the choruses and stuff so it seems to carry that message of positivity Could you tell us a little bit about the Choral Scholars of University College Dublin and what it is that you think sets them apart from other choirs in particular? Choral Scholars of University College Dublin is a group of 18 students uh, on scholarship to sing in a concert chamber choir at the college. It differs somewhat from the English model in that it doesn't have any church service. Uh, there's no choral foundation on the basis of an old chapel hmm. uh, and so on, like you get in you know, Cambridge or Oxford. It's quite young in that sense. We, it's nearly coming up on 20 years old in a couple of years. Uh, but it is a concert choir and the students are not simply music students. Uh, they range from, I suppose their subjects are 
medicine to music. Certainly there are music students. We have a school of music at University College Dublin. Uh, agriculture, uh, veterinary medicine, business, science. A real cross-section. real cross-section indeed, yeah. Student life. Mm. Um, how many people auditioned out of curiosity? Oh, over 100, yeah. Um, easily. And in fact, we're opening up auditions next year in April to incoming school uh, sixth form or six years. We call them six years. Mm. Um, so we might get, you know, even more. Fantastic. Did you have any particular aims in mind when you founded the choir, as you say, nearly 20 years ago, back in 1998? The first aim was actually to provide a choir for any funeral, college funeral or that, that sort of thing. But um, rapidly I realised that, you know, this could be a cultural ambassador of the university itself. And we put on our first concert within three or four months, uh, an early music concert, because I'm a harpsichordist, mm-hmm. uh, of Kunau, music by Kunau, Bach, uh, Schutz, Schein, those composers. So, yeah, we were straight into the concert hall within six months of, of forming. And it's been like that ever since. This album, Invisible Stars, it covers a variety of different music from across Ireland and Scotland. Can you tell us a bit about how the programme came about? There's such a connection in song uh, between Ireland and Scotland. And I think for both Scots and Irish, song is central to their creative imagination, to their identity. And song in Ireland is quite, you know, rooted deeply in our culture. Um, Nigel Short, who was uh, producing the disc, had come over to work at my choir. And of course, we went after the whole day. We went to the pub for some food. And one of my guys started singing. And Nigel said, this would never happen anywhere else. Like people, mm. people just stopped talking and they turned the music down in the bar and they listened to the singers. And, you know, maybe that's one of the unique things about Ireland. People sing and and everybody's happy to listen and they want to share songs. So. These songs that are on the disc are songs, some of them that would be from the traditional music uh, kind of opus, as it were, rearranged for the choral idiom. Uh, And then some of them, of course, are contemporary art music written especially for the choir. Mm. It's quite an amazing thing. I mean, it's something I've experienced in Ireland before that sort of, as you say, music can happen anywhere, anytime. And it does seem far more natural there than perhaps over here. Is it a difficult thing to sort of bring that sense of tradition into a more formal choral music framework, do you think? Or do you think it's much more fluid and easy than that? I think there are some people that have made it very easy for the likes of UCD choral scholars to sing music, traditional music arranged for choir. I'm thinking particularly of one composer, Michael McGlynn, who's the director of the group Anuna, who really paved the way early on for the last 30 years, I think, in setting traditional music for the choral idiom. And his group, Anuna, has had great success in bringing traditional Irish music to audiences all around the world. Mm. It's not difficult, it's just different. Adding harmony to monophonic song, to songs like that, is a great joy. It's been done, as I said, by Michael McGlynn. I particularly enjoy doing it and In fact, it works very well, that kind of mood creation around a song that we know. So the entertainment lies in, of course, the performance of the song, but also in the colours, the harmonic colours created around Mm. that song. So the choral idiom, as far as I'm concerned, choir, it it fits really well, actually, 
with a solo singer plus choral background. It's great to hear not just the choir, but the variety of different instrumental colours that are on the disc too, like the harp and the baron. Is that an intentional choice for this CD or something that the choir likes to do in most of their performances? I thought it was a good idea to add different timbres to the choir for the CD, but it's something that we do anyway. And yeah, so using traditional music instruments like the baron, in fact, we've worked with the Illin pipes before and guitar and so on. It's quite normal for us to do that. But what's really interesting is that uh, obligato instruments in traditional music are, or in Irish choral music are, I suppose, quite unusual. But in contemporary choral music, it's quite normal to have. I mean, you think of Ole Yelu with his cello parts or some violin parts that are played with choral music. Uh, and this was something that I thought was going to fit very well with the choir. So we had... Ivo Antonini composed a number of pieces, set Irish poetry with oboe, which is quite unusual. Mm. David Agnew playing oboe and uh, Bill Whelan's piece, Sun and Moon and Stars, uses uh, an obligato cello part. And that cello part opens the piece. It's track two on the disc. And in itself, it's got a very melodic opening, sort of a lamenting opening. Um, but it goes into a rhythmic force then. And Bill, of course, having written River Dance and the Seville Suite and other kind of very rhythmic, dancey, Irish-influenced kind of suites of, of, of pieces, uh, is very much up on that kind of rhythmic push in music. And he uses the cello in, to complement the choir very well, I think, in this piece. Thank you. 
That was a clip from Sun and Moon and Stars by Bill Whelan. And there's another pair of premier recordings on this disc by Ivo Antonini. Can you tell us a little bit about how the commissions for these works came about and the pieces themselves? The choir performed a piece by Ivo called Jesu Dulcis Memoria a number of years ago. And it sat so well with the choir that we asked Ivo Antonini to set three Irish poems, two of which appear on this disc. The poems, I suppose, resonate with the themes around 1914 to 1918, 1916, 1921, 1922. We've had plenty of commemorations of happening indeed in Ireland. And of course, Francis Ledwidge's poem, War, was fitting. But we wanted to balance that with another poet from Ireland, Eva Gore Booth and her poem, Peace. And in fact, the title of the disc, Invisible Stars, comes from that poem. But Eva was very open to setting these poems and a poem in Gaelic, in Irish, called Avergeen, which is not doesn't appear on this disc, but hopefully will appear on the next disc. Excellent. Um, and I asked him, would he set it for choir and obligato oboe, which has worked out really well, I think. As you said before, not a very common combination of forces, I suppose, solo oboe and choir. Yes, it's more usual, I think, to have maybe stringed instruments or, or a harmony instrument like a guitar, harp or piano. So uh, oboe players out there, get talking to your choral directors. Excellent. a clip from Peace, uh, which is worked by Ivo Antonini. Uh, Desmond, you've composed a number of the original works and arrangements on the disc. It must be quite a gratifying process to have a group like the Choral Scholars to write and arrange for. Do you find yourself thinking about their forces in particular when you're composing now? I do, very much so. In fact, they have become, I suppose, my primary focus in terms of arranging, although I have written pieces for Tenebrae, 
um, and arranged pieces for Tenebrae, but also have written for orchestra. Uh, in fact, they started off as an arranger, an orchestral arranger. But these days, UCD Choral Scholars, of course, have have um, have my heart as, a, as an arranger and a composer. I've written one work for this disc and arranged a number of others. The original composition is on Yeats' text, He Wishes for the Cloths of Heaven. And of course, it's Yeats' 150 year anniversary this year. So it's fitting to mark that anniversary. And in terms of arranging, what I'd like to do is to bring traditional song into a new harmonic palette, that sort of youthful sound, that shimmering sound that UC choral scholars can create is for me the opportunity to mould and recast traditional Irish music and put a new, I suppose, and fresh contemporary voice on something that is of another age. You mentioned it just then, but um there's a connection with the professional chamber choir Tenbury in this recording, who um, fans of Signum Record will have heard lots and lots about. Nigel Short, who's the choir's director, produced the CD, and Andrew Meller engineered it, who's he's also done their Brahms and Bruckner recording. Was it a great experience to work with them, do you think? What a wonderful experience. These guys are, I think, at the top of the game here, in both in terms of, well, Nigel's choral direction, but he has acute ears, the ability to hear and guide. And as you know, I've said, it's wonderful to be able to put one's trust in fully in the producer. And I was able to do that. I mean, Nigel was so interested in the particular sound that we were creating and helpful in getting us over the line. Andrew, of course, creates this other world of sound that is shimmers. I mean, it's it's wonderful stuff. So, yes, we had to work very hard in terms of the choir and just bringing all bringing it all to the forefront. But the guys made it really, really easy for us. And how I met Nigel, of course, was uh, he came over to Dublin to work with Choral Scholars and gave a workshop, a clinic, as it were, as the Americans call it, mm-hmm. uh, for a weekend. And he was very pleased. He he enjoyed our uh, performance of some Heinrich Schutz. And he said to me, you know, you should really consider getting this stuff on disc. Mm. So the conversation evolved. And that's how Nigel came over uh, with Andrew. And we ended up recording the disc. And here we are now. And here we are. Absolutely. Because you've arranged for Tenebrae before, um, this recording of the Sky Boat song on this disc was a commission, I understand, that you provided for Tenebrae. Yes, uh, Tenebrae was giving a, a concert in France at a festival and they were looking for a Scottish song. And in fact, Nigel particularly likes this song because he said he, he sang it to his daughter uh, when she was born. So he asked me to put it together. And, you know, it's an amazing tune. I mean, it's so famous. Uh, but so catchy at the same time and it rocks gently. So it was both a pleasure and, you know, quite easy to put something together that was interesting. Of course, there is the pressure that Tenebrae is going to perform it. So you really want to sort of slightly show off, you know, or be able to be a little clever with your arrangement. But it sat very well with them and uh, it was a pleasure to, to write for them.
and that was the Scottish Sky Boat Song, arranged by Desmond. Desmond, you're well known as a choral director and arranger now, but you're also well known as an early music specialist and a harpsichord soloist. Do you find it tricky to juggle the demands of being a busy choir master with a soloist's career? Not at all, actually. I, you know, it's funny because harmony plays a central part to everything I do as a musician. As a continuo player, as a solo harpsichordist or an organist, your business is in thinking harmonically. Uh, so you've got the horizontal and vertical elements of music happening always. And I think that's quite similar in a choir. You have to think about the line, but you also have to think about the harmonic creation that is happening that living actuality, as the philosopher Hegel put it, the art in the moment, you know. And the great thing about early music is, of course, one of the, the things that you learn as a as a, an instrumentalist is that you must articulate and learn to recognize articulation points, phrasing points and so on, because it's not given to you in the notation. And this is really useful when you're directing a choir, because you really have to think about the detail, the space between the notes, what's going to happen in the phrase, what direction will the phrase uh, take. And much of choral music, of course, is, uh, you know, taken from the repertoire before Johann Sebastian Bach. You know, you're thinking about Renaissance music or pre-Renaissance music even. And, of course, early music as we think of it, you know, 17th century, 18th century music. Uh, there are hidden signs that one must observe. And my background, I suppose, as a harpsichordist gives me a secret sort of door into that music as well. Mm. So um, I think they complement each other. Excellent. So are there any future plans for the choir around this Christmas or in 2016 that we should look out for? Well, like many choirs, we have our Christmas concerts and they take place in Dublin, Stevens Green on the 16th, 17th and 18th of December. So we're rehearsing for those at the moment. Uh, next year is a busy year in Ireland. It's the centenary of the 1916 Rising. And we have been approached to work on a number of projects that commemorate this centenary. In addition, there is a possible tour to the United States with the choir. So we had been there in, in 2014 on the East Coast, so it's possible that we'll be asked again. In fact, there were hints recently dropped. Excellent. And St. Patrick's Day isn't very far away. Indeed. It follows on the heels of Christmas. Excellent. Desmond, thanks very much for talking to us today. Would you like to introduce a final clip from the album just to finish off the podcast? Yes, I think fitting maybe. It's the parting glass. It's my. It's the last song. So... Um, Interesting piece of music. It's a Scottish song which had its origins in a text called Good Night and God Be With You. But it, that song uses a different tune from the one we're, we're using today. The, the one today is from an, an Irish tune called Sweet Cootill Town, which is from an early 20th century collection of Irish songs entitled Old Irish Folk Music and Songs. And it was this Irish melody that nudged aside the original Scottish tune, I suppose, to become one of the most popular ballads in recent history. So, you know, choral works of Ireland and Scotland, I think they both meet here in the parting glass.
Thank you for downloading the Signum Records podcast. For more information on Signum Records releases, go to signumrecords.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Spotify or follow us on Twitter at Signum Records. Question time. For your chance to win a copy of Invisible Stars, simply answer the following question. What is the name of the Irish drum appearing on the track Magillamar? If you know the answer, please email your answer to podcast at signumrecords.com to be in with the chance of winning a copy of Invisible Stars.